Welcome back. You're welcome. It's great to be here. It's great to be back on the stage. It's been a long time. Image of God and human value. This is my office. That's where I work. That's the Canadian Badlands Patch Blade. It's a great place to work. This is, uh, as long as this thing keeps working, this is my uh, company car and my driver. And uh, this is uh, my security staff. Walk with me and take me around places. And this is uh, some of the people, my coworkers. This is what you're invited to join with. There are sign-up sheets at the back. If you're interested at all in acting in the Passion Play, it's volunteers, and we have an incredible time together. We start mid-May. It's weekends only, and we go through to the end of our third week of July on weekends. It's an unbelievable and unforgettable experience. Our oldest actor was uh, 80, was Walter Albrecht, uh, and our youngest is three. So, and it's a huge family. We live in a campground down the river, and it's this nutsy, quirky, artsy community. You like that kind of stuff? Sign up. I'll send you an email. I'll tell you about it. This is our audience, uh, about uh, 2,500 at a time, 12,000 in a year, uh, 300,000 have seen the Passion Play since it was started 24 years ago. It's this grand, quirky, crazy thing. And yes, those are people up there. We have the largest stage in Canada at six acres. Uh, great place to be and great place to enjoy and be part of. And as well, just telling this incredible story. This is from this year. Uh, this is our Christmas card because it encapsulates the whole story. Mary holding her son Jesus at the foot of the cross and the two men behind her. So there's your full story in one picture. Triumphal entry. And of course, as we get down to the end, and that's from view from behind the crosses at the Passion Place site. And that's a Ron Nickel photography. Yay, Ron Nickel. And uh, Jesus releasing the dove and the coming of the Holy Spirit at the end. This morning we want to talk about the image of God and human value. And uh, to do so, we're going to think about the Psalms, these guys that wrote these great artsy pieces that they would sing to express their heart. I consider the heavens the work of your fingers, the sun and the moon and the stars that you set in place. What is mankind that you were mindful of us, that you care for us in all this vast universe? My question that I have is not so much universe-related, I sometimes go to the world clock. Go to the world clock, population clock online, and watch this thing go by. We've gone up 100,000 in the last five days. Watch this thing go by, and as you watch the birth clicks, just think of all those newborns <gasps> taking that breath of this collective air that we share. And as you watch the death clock go, think of all those people that are leaving. <sighs> and that last gasp of air back into our collective air. We are breathing today collective air that many of us have breathed over the centuries. It's us. We are, it's, it's around us. So think of that. And then you see our population growth. But I look at that big number up there and I go, God, 7.5 billion of us. How do I matter? How do I fit into that? How can you even keep track of all these gerbils running around in the, the cage down here? So I look at that and I ask that same question. What is man? But then I go back in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. What is that image? Well, you look at the image of God, and you realize that God that we worship, the God that we serve, is three powerful, perfect beings who exist in and create through a pure relationship. That is why we can say God encapsulates is love because it's three persons in perfect and pure relationship. People that describe us as a monotheistic religion just aren't getting it. 
We are a unique breed. We are totally set apart. We're not really monotheistic. We're not pantheistic. We're not any of those. Plural, pluralities, they all fail. They're all man's attempts at trying to explain God from the experience that we have right now versus the image of God in the beginning. Three powerful, perfect beings. So the essential nature of our good God is pure relationship. And to understand ourselves, we need to understand how God interacts as three pure relational beings. That's very key. And if you don't frame yourself along this, you don't get the value. The three persons of God possess all knowledge and understand that choices against others destroy relationship. The three persons of God exist together in pure relationship by their own free choice. They can hold the knowledge that we can act anti-relationally against each other in tension and never act upon it because they are God. They exist in that pure relationship. That's why you never have God the Father saying to God the Holy Spirit, let's go over to the other side of the universe because God the Son right now is just kind of bugging me, right? It doesn't happen because they exist in perfect and complete pure relationships. So we were then created in the image of God The three persons with absolute power, immortality, exist in an absolutely pure relationship. Nothing permanent can be created unless they are working together in a pure relationship. Let there be. That's why when you look at a duality of God situation, it's almost always one good, bad God, uh, good God, bad God, and they're fighting. And you got it, your humans are trapped in the middle as they duke it out back and forth, and they tear each other's work apart, and it's ugly, and it's horrible. God says, let there be. So they're not only pure relationship, but they have pure power to create together. I'm having a little bit of trouble with this, but I might have to hold my hand up like this. Can you hear me now? Three persons creating together will naturally enjoy that relationship and the creative outflow of their work, and that's why we have that great account at the beginning where they stand around together at the end of the day, and what do they say to each other? It's good. And they celebrate. It's incredible, and it's such an image that you see then in humanity. And that's why when you look at some of these other religious models, they don't work because you can't backwards engineer them. Not that we can take humanity and just automatically extrapolate it back into God, but they don't look like how we operate. We do this. We get together, we create something, and we go, oh, that's good. Wasn't that great? That was fantastic. And we celebrate in the pleasure of that relationship. So I'm created in the image of three persons of God. I was designed, ultimately, first and foremost, for pure relationship. And we know the story. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of good and evil, correct? Oh, I love doing this in Bible college situations. That's totally incorrect. That is not, that's how we read it. That is not the case. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God in three persons holds the knowledge in tension. We cannot but yet we have to be offered that choice so we can still choose relationship. Hence, it's in the middle of the garden. Sometimes don't you get upset? Why'd you put it in the middle of the garden? Put it off on the side. Put the tree of life there. Like that tree, I go over. Whatever happened, I don't know what happened with the tree of life, but when you got to it or ate of it, it did something. It was good. It was really good. It was so good that at the end, God had to put an angel with a flashing sword to keep them away from the tree. Get away from my tree. Don't get them in the tree. But they puts the tree of the knowledge of good and evil right smack dab in the middle there beside it, and they see it. And then it tells us, the man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Because in a pure relationship, there never is any shame. This is what we were intended for. You and I were intended to never feel shame 
and embarrassment and feeling nasty and negative. That's not what we were created for. We were created in the image of God for pure relationship. And the woman saw that the fruit of the tree, it was good. God doesn't deny this. It was pleasing to the eye. He made a really nice tree. And it was desirable for gaining wisdom. She's no dumb bunny. She looks at that and goes, there's some stuff, something there. I mean, the tree of life does this. This tree does something too, and, and I like that. that. That could be good. So she took some with her. She took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband. And I always love this. The guys always skip that little line. Who was with her. Of course he was with her. They were created for pure relationship, and they were enjoying a pure relationship, and they hung out together consistently all the time, everywhere, because that's what they were created for. And it was, there was no shame. There's nothing in it. And he's together with her, and if, yeah, they're in pure relationship. He supports her, and they go along, and he eats this thing. Not a good idea. Then the eyes of both of them were opened. Why? Because in that instant, they understood that they could take and make a choice against a relationship. And as soon as we make that choice and understand that, it opens up the entire pantheon and world. And now all of a sudden we realize, ah, I'm naked. Why? Who are they hiding from? They're sewing fig leaves together. Who are they hiding from? No. They're going to hide from God in a minute. They are hiding from each other. Because for the first time, they look at each other and they go, love can now become lust. Lust can become abuse and rape and all those negative and horrible things. And for the first time, they understand in the knowledge of good and evil what they can do to each other, and they want to cover up. You know, when a, when a couple is lovey-dovey and they're kind of feeling good about things and they're in bed and they don't have any clothes on, but if they start arguing, they get something on. Nobody wants to fight naked because you feel so exposed. It's just not a good thing, okay? So the eyes of both of them are open. Then... They hide from God because they hear the sound of Yahweh walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and now they hide from God in amongst the garden. First they hide from each other because the pure relationship is broken. Now they're hiding from God. And Yahweh God calls to the man and says, where are you? And he answers, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And God says to him, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Does God know? Of course he knows. Why is this question being asked? Anybody? What's that? Did you say redemption? Confession, but most of all, pure relationship always seeks redemption to bring you back into pure relationship. It's not punitive. Even the curse against the ground is not punitive. It's a corral to bring us back to God. Pure relationship always seeks redemption. God has given him a chance to confess, to say, yeah, here's what I did. But instead, because he now knows, and he has this, and he feels naked, and he wants to defend, he says, the woman, you, first he blames God, the woman you put here with me, she gave me from the fruit, and yeah, I ate it, but it's you and that woman. Look what you did. Okay, so right away, we're not designed for this, folks. This is pain. It hurts. We are designed for pure relationship, to be powerful and to have pleasure in life. But then this happens, and this knowledge of good and evil shows up, and we slam on right into it, and it rips us apart. And it's why there's so much excruciating pain in our lives as we face this tension between what we were designed for and our present reality. It's tough. So Yahweh God says, the man has now become like one of us. It wasn't a lie. Satan didn't lie when he said, you'll become like God. Absolutely true. You become more like God in the fact that you now know good and evil. 
problem is you can't hold it in tension like God can. So when we talk about the fall of man, it's actually a really bad term. It's not in the Bible. It's actually from apocryphal literature. It doesn't really fit because it's not a fall. When you fall, you get back up again. You don't get back up from this. This is image of God 1.0 or 2.0. This is a new acquisition. This is a new piece of programming, a virus that we cannot get rid of. It is in us. So when we say, in sin, my mother conceived me, in the middle of all this human stuff, we cannot as humans get past the problem of acting selfishly. Because as you grow up a little kid, first it's all innocent, but then that thing happens, that event where all of a sudden someone hurts and it's terrible, and you realize i got to protect, i got to cover up. And not only that, I'm going to strike back. I'm going to prevent. And we get into this thing. So now he says, you know what? He's not going to be allowed to take this from and live forever and eat this and live forever. So he's banned from the tree of life. And then later on in Noah, God actually, and this is the pure, pure relational heart of God crying out in absolute anguish because God says Yahweh was sorry that he had made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. Pure relationship suffers greatly when anti-relational choices are make it, made. So then he says, my spirit, <laughs> this is God's solution. Okay, fine. You know, I gave him that tree of life, put the angel there, pushed them out, not going to let them live forever, but they're still living way too long. This hurts. So you know what? I'm going to shorten their life down. Boom, shortens it down. It, death is introduced at the time of the curse, but now it gets even shorter. And this pressure of death, it's like when you put a ketchup packet on the ground and you step on it and you squeeze and lean forward. Boom, you're going to get it <laughs> right in the head. That's the pressure of death, and it squeezes us to make choices, and the choices are for good or for evil. That's what it's there to do. It's there intended to be this way to put that pressure on. But God knows what he's doing. This is no, no mistake here. All our hopes and dreams are rooted in being created in the image of a purely relational God, but we are finite and will act upon the knowledge of good and evil. Evil is anything which destroys the purity of the pure relationship, and therefore... My contention is that selfishness or self-centeredness is the baseline of all evil. You want to try to find where evil is hiding? Look for self-centeredness and selfishness, and you will find it. It will be there. The image of God in us is designed to be fully actualized, fully at peace in a pre-curse and pre-death world. That's what we were created for. That's not where we find ourselves now. We're in this in-between time where we will get to the new heaven and the new earth. And what's at the end? Where does that tree of life go? It comes back into the picture. It's really beautiful to watch this imagery come full circle and come back around in Revelation. Absolutely phenomenal to watch that. We don't have time to talk about that today, but it is cool. Uh, our question today, the question that we have in this in-between transition time is not so much, do I have intrinsic value in the image of God, but rather, why do I often feel so worthless? Why do I have this feeling of unworth? And then we read, read things like Jesus said, two sparrows are sold for a penny. Not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. Very hairs of your head are numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. That is true. Perfect, pure relationship values you. However, in this present cursed world, we're faced with this reality, if we can get there. That's what happens to the two sparrows that were sold for a penny. In fact, in the Roman economy, according to the tariff, 10 sparrows were to be sold for no more than 60 denarii. Uh, because they ate them. That's what you did with them. Yeah, people were hungry, so you eat the sparrows. So God says, you know what? These sparrows that are falling to the ground because people are pecking them off and eating them, they, they go through this experience, but don't worry about it. Heavenly Father watches over that. So he's not taking you out of this situation, but he's saying, in this, I will care for you. I'm created in the image of the three persons of God. I was designed for pure relationships. 
I was also designed to be powerful. And this is one we skip over a lot, especially in our evangelical culture because we embrace still some of this vestiges of this worm theology that's still hanging around, and it's not good. It doesn't help us because God created us. And so when he says, the psalmist, I consider his answer to that is, you made us a little lower than the angels, crowned us with glory and honor. You made us rulers over the works of our hands, and you put everything under our feet. Really cool to notice at the end of relationship, or the end of revelation when it comes down to it, it's not Handel's Messiah, and he shall reign forever and ever. No, it says, and we will reign forever and ever, because we are to be taking some authority for the things, not in opposition to God, that's not pure relationship, it's always in the pure relationship, but to take authority and to use what we've been given correctly. This is not the way to use that tool. This is on a missions trip with uh, Prairie students to Nicaragua that we used to go on. And that's not the right, that's cutting off your nose to spite your face. If you use the power in affront to God, you're cutting off your nose to spite your face. God blessed us. Rule over the fish of the sea, birds of the air, every creature that loses. He said, God said, this is what I put you there to do. And then God put the man in the garden to work it and care for it. One of the things that drives me nuts about some of our current culture is this idea that work is part of the curse. Not on your life. It flows from three persons of God who love to create and make stuff. Do it. Go out there, create something. And we were put in the garden to work it. Three verses after that, we're going to read, and Yahweh God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I'll make someone to work alongside him. The three persons of God who enjoy working and creating together make a duality in the male and female to work together. And if you can't work together with someone, do not marry them under any circumstances. I don't care how romantic it feels, and if you're looking at someone who doesn't like to work, eh, run for the hills, because it's a lot of work. Work, even raising kids, you've got to be together, all of that. You need people to work alongside you. So it's not good to be alone. You need someone to work. It's in the context of work. And then God banishes us to work the ground from which we had taken. Cursed is the ground. Now we got painful toil all the days of our life. We've got thorns and thistles growing for us. By the way, thorns and thistles grow randomly. So when Kohelet in Ecclesiastes says, time and chance happen to us all, there's an element of that. You can put that in your pipe and smoke it for a bit and see what happens. But the sweat of your brow, you'll eat your food until you return to the ground. You were, from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you return. return. This is the pressure of death that we talked about, right? I'm created in the image of the three persons of God. You can tell I'm rushing because we've got nine minutes left. I was designed for pure relationships. This is deep, and there's tons of stuff in here. I was designed for pure relationships. I was designed for power, to be powerful, and I was designed for pleasure. Make no mistake about it. God put us together to be and enjoy the good things in life. He had planted a garden, and God made all kinds of the trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye, good for food. There's so many pleasures in life. Kohelet in Ecclesiastes says, life is sweet, and it is a pleasure to see the light of day. No matter how many days a person may live, each one, including this one, should be fully enjoyed. It's gifts we're given. And then this one, although I didn't put the whole thing in, uh, eat your food with gladness, drink your wine with a joyful heart, for today your work has been blessed by God. God has given you stuff. Put on your best clothes. Use your finest perfume. Don't hide it away and flail yourself and God wants me to be, oh man, I got you know, this mindset of don't enjoy life at all. No, no. Put on your best clothes. Use your finest perfume and enjoy each 
futile day, because God has put death in this world, of your fleeting life, and then I left this part out, I forgot to put it in, with the people you love. There's the relational part. For these pleasures are God's gift to you in your toilsome labor. That's that curse against the ground, which, by the way, we sometimes act like the curse was against people. No, it wasn't. It was against the ground to grow some hedges and some thorns and thistles that would guard pull us in and pull us back to God. It wasn't punitive, it was redemptive. In your toilsome labor under the sun, we were designed for pleasure, but within the bounds of pure relationship and responsibility, the desire of our hearts is to be back in the garden, walking with God and enjoying pure relationships with others as we work together. That's what we're crusaded for. This was not the original design to put this heavy burden Coelet says, what a heavy burden God has placed on mankind. That wasn't in the original design, but it now is true. There is this, this heavy burden on us. So our value in the image of God is both theoretical and it's practical. To understand it is to do it. And when we don't feel it, we need to own it. We need to own it relationally and quit acting like idiots and hurting each other and creating stuff that doesn't need to be in their lives so it just weighs us down and makes us ter- feel terrible. We need to engage it powerfully and say, I've got some responsibility here, and I can act upon that. I don't have to hide between weird, sucky theologies like, well, if the Lord wants it done, he'll make it happen. And if the Lord leads me to do this, I'll do it. There's some really weird stuff out there. Everything happens for a reason. That's Eastern religion stuff. No, the reason is because God gave us something to do, and let's do it. Okay? That's the reason some things should be happening. Let's get on with it. Joyfully, to get involved. Adam and Eve walked with God in the cool of the day. Enoch walked with God, and God took him to be with him. Jacob wrestled with God. Abraham bargained with God. Moses argued with God. These people were not on a leash being walked by God. Do you see the difference? We sometimes think that God is just dragging us along. But no, God is saying, I'm a purely relational being. The three of us are in pure relationship. Would you walk with us through this life? It's not going to be easy. In this world, you shall have tribulations. Jesus said, but don't be afraid of that. I've overcome that, but let's walk through the muck and the mire together, and it's going to be an adventure of some type. Relationships in a broken world now have a measure of insecurity. Oh, come on. Go back to that one. Uh, one back. Uh, yeah, well, whatever. Okay, let's just go with this one. Uh, uh, relationships always have a measure of security and insecurity. Because of that, we always want to create systems, but systems kill relationships. A marriage cannot be sustained by making a system of agreement, writing a contract that says, you do this, I do this. It's dead, right? So religion, that system, creates a system of belief and practice, and that in turn kills relationships. It happens all around the world. All organized religions, and I would include even if we get into Christianity, if we get into the itty side of things and not the Christ, the person, then that has the potential to destroy your personal walk with God because pure relationships Our life and a system of religion is death. As was said, the letter of the law kills. So we follow that down. Some of this stuff I wrote, and uh, because I've been studying Ecclesiastes for 30 years, I've memorized it now, and I perform it while cooking a meal, and I do this stuff. And it's been great because I contend that this book, this is my translation of Ecclesiastes, and yeah, I did that. That was kind of weird. People said, you're not supposed to translate the Bible again. I thought, why not? So I did. Um, so that's the translation side, and then this is the little novel. It's actually a story of Kohelet as he writes Ecclesiastes. But I did that because I contend 
that in some of the over-spiritualization of our religious aspects of this life, we need a counterbalance. And God gave us the book of Ecclesiastes to be that counterbalance so we don't go swinging off willy-nilly over here. It kind of brings things back into alignment. I've got 20 of those, and 20 people that come after, up afterwards can have them. And if those same people say, I'd like to talk a bit more about this, then, yeah, my house is just on the outside of Prairie's uh, borders there, just in the, on the other side. And uh, you'd be welcome to come over and uh, sit around and have a coffee and have a chat, play pool and darts, and uh, talk about what this means. But anyways, that's the Art of Work. Artofwork.ca, if you don't get a book, in artofwork.ca, I read the whole thing. Uh, it's an audio book, and it's free. Just go there and read, listen to it if you want it. Image of God. If we are going to do the image of God, just like you can't go to church, you can only do church and be church, same thing in the image of God. We have to be it. We have to, it's something we are to do. So to follow through on the image of God, let's do these things. Let's seek pure relationship. Let's create for the love of everything holy. Let's create. Let's make. Let's do. Let's live out that image and not sit there. I mean, yeah, okay, I play Age of Empires and some stuff. But video games for 10 hours a day? No. Come on. What a waste of the image of God in you, right? I mean, even to be able to play games with other people and that's relational, that's all great, but just to be lock yourself away and do that? No, no. Let's create responsibly with others. Let's create beautiful stuff. Uh, our creator God did, and he said, hey, take all these pieces and rearrange them and have some fun and make it look really cool. And uh, then let's also enjoy God's good gifts today. And on that note, it's two minutes to 11. Woo! Did it. And uh, thank you for... Sticking with me on the roller coaster, and uh, God bless you. Be at peace. Go out and live the image of God today. Thank you for being here.